The nail in the coffin! It's the Nail in the Coffin podcast. I'm Tom. He's Travis. It's Friday afternoon, a rare recording time for us. Trav, you were a game time decision today, but uh, sounds like they got the power restored down there at Yuli Manor. You uh, you all good? You ready to go? Yeah, the city was trying to stick it to me. I was, a little, uh, was down for a few hours this morning, but I'm back in business. You cannot keep the nail in the coffin down. Never, never. <laughs> All right, well, the big sports news around town here in Cleveland this week was that uh, Kevin Love and the Cavs agreed on a five-year contract or a four-year contract extension. It's going to keep him in town uh, five years. And uh, our pal Scott Sargent was on hand for the press conference to announce the deal. Uh, He talked with Kevin and uh, wrote a story for Bleacher Report, and he joins us now. Uh, Scott, how are you, man? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so, all right, let's get started with this. Were you surprised by this deal or that uh, on either side that the Cavs would want to extend him for that long or that uh, Kevin Love would want to uh, lock in with the Cavs on, on uh, a four-year extension like that? You know, wanting to extend him, no. Um, you know, they're, they have the ability or will have even additional ability down the road to offer max deals to multiple individuals just based on the way that their cap structure is going to fall out here over the next season or two. So I, I was wondering if one they if they got that far down the road and he was still a member of the Cavaliers, um, if, if that, if that conversation would happen next year, um, that, uh, that it came over the way it did. Uh, I, I did catch me off guard because I had been under the impression that, you know, you roll forward with him. You try to compete, and uh, if come February you're 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 twelve and thirty five, um, you know, you 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 consider, you know, moving him for uh, for additional assets and just you know finish out the season, keep your top ten pick, that uh, that's going to Atlanta, and then you know use that to kind of reload a little bit. So, but it's it's clear that they wanted to make good by Kevin. Um, you know, he's been the uh, fan and uh national media for lack of a better term whipping boy for for four years so for him to be the last man standing here of the big three um you know i think uh you know he wanted to be a part of this organization and the team will gladly keep a all-star caliber big man around uh as as they as they uh usher this new era post lebron well it's crazy to me that um even it seemed like before the ink on the contract was dry, I was seeing people already speculating how it could affect his trade value. Is this like literally the only way some people could view Kevin Love as a Cavalier? So yeah, oh, I think one yes. There are some people <laughs> who are just constantly viewing him as an asset, which I, I'll never understand. But two, I think a lot of the people who are opposed to the to the to the deal and what it does to the Cavs you know, flexibility and, uh, you know, they're, you know, there's, there's some individuals who want to want them to tank and, you know, they, they have this viewpoint that the only way they can do that is by not having a player like love around, um, you know, the, his trade value does improve, um, you know, in years three and four, because the contract no longer escalates from there. So that's, that is a, that is an asset to uh, someone else, but uh, you know, 
they 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 picked it, pitched it as flexibility. Um, you know, he left significant money on the table to uh, to sign that deal. So you know, it's, you know, Kobe said during the press conference that they're going to have to make good by Kevin again by uh, using that 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 cap space that he is going to give them to uh, to uh, to sign whether it's another uh, uh, you know another star if they can convince one to come or uh, you know a, a, a mid tier guy coming off his first deal. Um, you know, if they, if with, with Kevin's deal, so front loaded, uh, they'll be able to, uh, you know, have, have flexibility down the road. So, yeah, I guess it helps his trade value. Um, but it also helps the team in the event that they, they, that they, uh, execute things on a way in, in, a, in the same manner that they, that they think they're going to, you know, on, you know, day zero. See, it's interesting you say that, that it helps his trade value. Cause to me, it almost feels like. A contract that has him, and I don't, I don't know exactly how the annual payouts break down, but he's averaging like thirty million a year on this deal. A guy that's had the injury history of Kevin Love getting paid close to thirty million dollars when he turns thirty-four years old doesn't sound like a particularly appealing contract to me. If I'm looking to trade for him, what am I, what am I missing there? Well, that that uh, when you're, um, when he is being paid that you know, come that point in time where, where the, the salary cap is and what a max player will be paying, getting paid comparative to that will be much different. I mean, he, he could have signed a five-year $221 million deal next year if he would have waited. Um, so for him to sign for four years and, and 128 or whatever it shook out to be, I mean, that's a, you know, so if things go south injury-wise, they're, they're, the value is whether it's 30 million or 24 million, it's really inconsequential. Um, but if, if, if he's performing and, and uh, a competitor is, a, is a, a stretch four away from, you know, competing for a title, and then the Cavs are not at that point, you know, come, come that point in his, in his deal, to be able to acquire him without having to give up as much in return, and, and conversely, the Cavs not having to take as much in return from a, from a salary matching standpoint, uh, makes, makes, you know, in my estimation, makes those conversations much easier. All right, maybe I'm just naive, but um, listening to the the quotes coming out of the press conference on Tuesday and just everything around this, um, I I just don't feel like the uh, end game here for the Cavs is that this is going to be like a, a Blake Griffin with the Clippers situation where they signed him to a big deal and then six months later they flipped him at the deadline, it feels to me like the Cavs really want him to be a long-term part of their rebuild and and their reload here. And I mean, I guess the obvious caveat is if things go sideways, you know, you're, you've got options, but um, it it doesn't seem like trading him is really the plan. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, I don't think anybody thought there was a plan with Blake to your, to your example. Um, but I really don't get that vibe right now from with regard to Kevin. I mean, you don't you don't put him in that uh, you know disheveled arena with construction workers taking selfies um, if you're going to move him in February. Um, you know, I think they want him to be the face of this franchise. They want him to be a vocal leader, um, and they want him to kind of work with the, you, he he and Channing to work with the Chetty Osmonds and the and the Colin Sexton's of the world to uh, you know bring them from kind of I don't want to say bench fodder, but you know, reserve bench players to to players who are going to have to play you know significant minutes for this team uh, you know going forward. So 
you know, in again, I, I think, you know, the NBA, anything can happen. Uh, things change very, very quickly. Um, you know, so to your, to your, to your point, what happens in February might not be what the plan was. Uh, things just could have changed drastically and that's how they wanted to pivot. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't get the idea that they want to move someone as marketable as, as, as Kevin is when you're going to need to sell tickets to, uh, you know, to kind of make do on this, this new arena. Yeah. So the, my biggest takeaway of this whole week um, and, and just what it means in the bigger picture of the rebuild is that it feels like the Cavs MO this summer has been anything but a repeat of 2010. Um, you know, you're going to see young guys getting an opportunity. I mean, obviously Colin Sexton's going to be playing a lot. Jetty's going to be uh, getting all sorts of opportunities, but whereas it felt like uh, the last time that LeBron left, it was let's go clear out as many young guys or as many of the veterans as possible and, and embrace the tank, so to speak. You know, this time, I mean, it's it's about trying to maintain some sort of continuity with, with Kevin Love. And, you know, you're bringing Channing Fry back in and kind of having um, some of the, you know, that uh, stronger veteran presence in the locker room. Yeah, and, you know, a, a, a 28, 29-year-old Kevin Love is much different than a 35-year-old Anton Jameson. Um, you know, the uh, a rookie with the energy and, and, and already kind of – fan favorite for lack of a better term and Colin Sexton is much better than a veteran Mo Williams. Um, you know, when you're talking about a, a you know, a rebuild and, and truthfully the, the Eastern conference this time around is much different than, uh, than it was in 2010 when, uh, you know, when, you know, LeBron went to Miami. I mean, I think they see this landscape and they know with Kevin Love, Colin Sexton and, you know, whether or not they keep Kyle Korver, you know, they, they think they're better than Detroit. They think they're better than Orlando. They think they're better than New York and Brooklyn and a lot of these other teams. Um, Atlanta, uh, you know, they just Atlanta just traded Dennis Schroeder, who is arguably one of their best players. Um, you know, so there's, there's a host of teams in the Eastern Conference that, you know, kind of sets the stage for even if the Cavs are mediocre um, to be somewhere in that six, seven, or eight seed come, come playoff time. And, uh, you know, when you're talking an owner, who is willing to go into luxury tax situations and, and, and pay for things when, when the, when the timing is right, uh, you know, allowing, and I know people say what you want about Dan Gilbert, but if you can roll, you know, a, a round or two of, of playoff revenue, uh, you know, out, out of a season like this, you know, that's, that's a, that's gotta be a, a pretty significant win for, you know, for that franchise on a, on a going forward basis. So, um, you know, I, I, I the, 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 the timing, is right. You know, you, you know, Jameson in 2010 was in his walk year. Mo Williams was clearly unhappy, you know, post LeBron. And then you're talking about guys like, you know, Samardo Samuels and, and uh, Manny, Manny Harris and, you know, all these players who, you know, are, are no longer in the league for a reason. And, uh, you know, so the, the composition of this team, you know, thanks to the hedging of, of Kobe Altman and in, in, in keeping Chetty and not trading him and keeping, uh, Zizic and you know not not being willing to you know gamble and then and, and try and trade for a Kemba Walker or something along those lines uh, you know gives them a bit of a hope that they can turn this thing around much quicker uh, than than they did in 2011 they already have the first round pick in tow you know that the Kyrie Irving pick in, in in 11 that was a product of that 2010 season so they're technically I mean you could you could think of it as already being a year ahead in uh 
you know, in, 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 in re, quote unquote rebuilding compared to where they were last time LeBron left. Isn't technically the, the Tristan Thompson one, the Cavs one. Say it again. Cause wasn't Kyrie the Clippers pick that year? Yeah. Well, we, yeah. Well, so the, not that it matters. Yeah. 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 Well, like the, the Kyrie, well, the Kyrie, you know, was one and four, but yeah, they, well, they traded for, they took on Baron Davis's contract to, to take that unprotected pick from the Clippers. Gotcha. Okay, so I guess I heard you just mention that they could be somewhere in the six, seven, eight range, which would cost them their first round pick next year. Um, I've also heard a ton of people say, and the uh, it seems like people are on both sides of it. There's people that think, okay, well maybe they're going to be in that six, seven, eight range, and they're in the playoffs, so you live with that. And there's other people say it doesn't really matter if they have Kevin Love; they're still going to be terrible, and they're going to be in that top ten. I happen to think that this the worst case scenario is kind of what this sets them up for, where they're just kind of, you know, clawing to get into the playoffs and maybe they get an eight seed, maybe they just miss it and they end up losing their pick in the process, which is I think kind of a worst case scenario, right? For sure. I mean if they if they finish ninth or tenth in the you know, in the in, in the in the conference and they're but they're still outside the top ten from a you know, a lottery standpoint, yeah, I, I would I would assume that would be, you know, the 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 situation that they're hoping to to really really avoid. Now, whether or not that means if if you're clawing to use to use your term at the end, maybe uh maybe Kevin somehow gets a hamstring injury over the last month. Do you know what I mean? I think there's I think there's ways to kind of protect yourself a little bit, but uh, but yeah, that finishing just outside the playoffs I think would be uh the worst case scenario, and it would be a very much um, because you, you, you don't get better from there if you know for if if that happens outside of organic growth of the players you have. So, yeah, there's that. That would be that would be a not not a, a not ideal uh, way to way way to finish things out. And you never know at that in that scenario there he might uh, have whatever that phantom injuries that uh, somehow derailed Josh Tomlin and put him on the Indians disabled list uh, might uh, make its way uh, across Gateway Plaza there to uh, <laughs> Kevin Love. But uh, all right. So, Scott, what do you think about this then? Like, if it seems like, you know, the Cavs are going to make an honest effort. And, you know, if it costs them their first round pick, so be it. Um, I feel like there's people whose basketball opinions who I really respect who have come out on both sides of this, that some people are saying, yeah, good, go for it. And then there are others that are saying this is asinine. It's a road to nowhere. Um, where do you come out on this and the way the Cavs are going about this rebuild? I'd rather, I'd rather watch entertaining basketball. Um, those, those, they, they, those games in 2010, 2011 were abysmal to watch. Um, fans didn't deserve that. Yes. It eventually led to, um, you know, all the, you know, led that, that play led to Tristan Thompson, the trade they made, you know, as, as, as Travis mentioned, led to Kyrie Irving. Um, but, you know, they, they don't win the title without LeBron coming back. And, you know, save for a, a, a once-in-a-generation player living, you know, 30 miles down 77, um, you know, that, that, that and, and wanting to make good with a region that he, you know, felt that he, you know, probably didn't handle appropriately his first time out. You know, they're not winning a title. So, I mean, you, if, 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 if there's Cavs fans who think that if they, you know, tank now, get the top 10 pick, um, pair him with Colin Sexton, and then yeah, I don't know who they think they're going to land 
you know, sixth, seventh, eighth in the in the NBA lottery, that'll that'll immediately put them in contention to 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 win again. I mean, I and now maybe this is the you know, pessimist in me, or maybe it's just because we already have our championship, so I'm not really overly concerned about what happens going forward. Uh, I would rather just watch entertaining basketball, and if, you know, hopefully they make the playoffs again, and if, even if it's a first-round exit, um, you know, that's, it's, it's much more entertaining than, than what we had to see in 2010, 2011. I just, I just don't see a path back to a, a championship. Yes, you play the game to win a championship, and everybody's competing for a championship, but if we're being realistic, there's a pretty substantial buzzsaw out west um, with and with, with others that are gaining steam and not to mention a Philly and a Boston team that's in a much better position to win now from a from a from a, a conference standpoint so I mean you know I think best case scenario regardless of who's on this team over the next couple of years is what third third fourth maybe fifth in the east um, you know so if, if if you think you can get that with Kevin Love and uh, you know a 20 the 25 and 12 guy and, uh, you know, maybe Colin Sexton overachieves and maybe Chetty Osman becomes, you know, a, a, a poor man's version of, uh, say, like, Heydu Turkoglu. I, you know, I think you take that and you just, you just, you just make the most of it. You're not going to, you know, I just, I'm just under the impression you're not going to win a title for a very, very long time, if ever again. So you may as well just, you know, float around. And, I, I, and again, I, I, I said this to somebody else, if, if everybody was who wasn't going to compete for a title tried to tank, you'd have 26, 27 teams tanking. And if you have 26 or 27 teams tanking, you know, the, that, 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 that the 25th, 26th or 27th one is not going to be in any better position had they actually just tried to win basketball games. So I, I would rather go that route. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think it's, it's an interesting point because I think, I don't know, and maybe having LeBron for, for over the last, I mean, you look since 2003, all we've had is either we've had LeBron and we think we're a contender to win a title or we've been terrible, right? So we haven't really had that middle ground. You look at like a team like Indiana last year. Um, when we watched them, we're like, oh, you know, they're not going to win anything the way they're they're currently constructed. Maybe they win a, a series or two, but they're never going to win a title. I, I think we've obviously been a little bit spoiled to the point where we think that's all that matters. Um, it'll be interesting that I think we'll, for the first time in a long time, we're in a place where being competitive is going to matter maybe and yeah we're not going to be a, a championship contender but there's very few of those left how do how do the Cavs sort of position it to fans who are you know maybe not not super excited about a team that's going to be noticeably worse than they've been over the last few years but considerably better than they were for that that brief era when LeBron was gone yeah that'd be interesting um I, I don't know uh, I don't envy their position in trying to do so and trying to market things and sell tickets. Um, you know, and I think that's a big reason why Kevin is going to be here for, for multiple seasons because they need that face, you know, female fans love him clearly. Um, but you know, you need to, you need to sell decent basketball as well. Um, you know, they're going to have to take pages out of the books of, you know, the Charlotte Hornets of the world, the, you know, to your, the, the Indiana Pacers of the world. And, and I, I, I think that's going to be one of their, their biggest challenges is, 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 is doing that. Um, you know, the, the thing they have going for them is the way that they have their ticket renewal process is, you know, fans have to be locked in already. Um, you know, so if you, if you were banking on LeBron coming back um, and you renewed your tickets for this season, you had to do so, you know, by, by like March 
February or March or whatever of, 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 of the last season. So they do, they, they give, they give themselves about a year runway to figure it out. Um, you know, and I think Kevin they said, said that, uh, for the maybe, record, they said that at the time. And when I canceled, they've been, they still email me all the time telling me it's not too late to come back. <laughs> trying to get back in. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I, oh yeah. I get I, I, from I, my I old ticket rep every, at least once a week. That's, that's, that's funny. Um, but, you know, Kevin said, you know, their identity is going to be hardworking. You know, they, you know, then that was kind of the metaphor of the whole construction worker thing. You know, the, the hard hats, hardworking, overachieving, um, you know, they, you know, they, they're not going to be the, not always going to be the most talented team or have the most talented player on the floor. Uh, but it sounds like they're going to work hard, um, you know, every night. And I don't know if you can necessarily guarantee that over the last four seasons. Uh, you know, the, the, I think there was a lot of fan apathy, you know, midway through the season because, you know, some of these guys, they felt like they were coasting. And I, I don't think they have that luxury anymore. So I think if you're going to sell anything, um, you know, the regular season matters now. Um, the, the, you know, forever, the, the, you know, NBA finals or even, you know, or playoffs were, you know, were the, what they were saving up for, for lack of a better term. You know, Ty had, they had a whole regular season to get his rotations down because they knew that they were just going to, you know, be a lock for the for the postseason, if not NBA Finals, and that that's no longer a given. And I think if you want to sell something, you know, I think that's your angle. It's that this every regular season game, whether it's a Wednesday night in February against the the Milwaukee Bucks, or you know a Sunday, you know Christmas Day game against the Lakers, or Sunday afternoon game against, you know, I don't know who you who you're necessarily your your uh, rival is now but say it's the pacers say it's the wizards whatever um they're all going to matter and i think that is a the you know if they're going to hinge you know on anything yeah it admits a little bit that you that last season didn't but uh if you're going forward and you're trying to sell this thing i think you know all these regular season games are going to are going to be worth watching because they're going to really have an impact going forward on where this team finishes and to your point, I will take that 100 times out of 100 over what we had to go through in the last post-LeBron years. That 2010-2011 season was miserable. I'll be honest, I, I think it was the last season before LeBron came back that might have come the closest to just breaking me as a fan because by that time it was the fourth year of that. And <clears throat> you remember that offseason before that, they signed Jarrett Jack, they signed Earl Clark, Andrew Bynum, probably setting a chill up your spine with some of these names, considering how that all panned out. And, uh, you know, that was a year that they were theoretically trying to, uh, you know, go for it a little bit. And it was as brutal as any of those other seasons. Um, and, you know, just getting back to that first post uh, LeBron season, the 2010, 2011 season, um, you know, thank God they made that trade for the Clippers pick because I can't imagine going through that year and having the you know the prize at the end being Tristan Thompson on his own and that's nothing against Tristan I mean he was obviously a huge part of the title winning team in 2016 but there's a huge difference between Kyrie Irving and Tristan and the Kyrie pick to me was less about tanking and it more was about showing the value of maintaining flexibility and a, a willingness to spend which it feels like the Cavs are in this era going to, you know, kind of set themselves up for, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it took a lot of luck as well, right? I mean, they, yeah. they were, they, you know, people who want them to get back into the lottery and, and rebuild through the lottery 
forget that they were in the lottery three or four years. They won it <laughs> three or four years and and came away with, you know, Kyrie Irving and or, uh, Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Bennett. Um, you know, and that, you know, one of those guys is no longer in the league and the other one is one of the worst contracts in, 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 in the league right now. I mean, there's there's not a lot of not a lot of proof of concept outside of the Warriors, you know, lucking into, you know, getting able to sign Steph on that discount because of his ankle at the time. Um, and then, you know, again, getting Draymond Green in the second round, it was huge for them. I mean, that those are the kind of thing you need a lot of luck to, uh, to, to put yourself in a position where you time it with a salary cap spike. And, and by the way, one of the best players in the world signs you with you as a free agent. I mean, that's, that that's not they're they're not the you know the they're more the exception you know right than the, than than the rule so I, I that's why I hesitate to you know yeah sure I guess you better your chances at getting a a franchise altering player um, you know if, if you if you win the lottery but uh, you know as 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 good as Carl Anthony Towns is uh, you know the and he's fun to watch and he's a, he's an incredible fantasy basketball asset. He's he's the, he's not carrying them to you know anything, um, you know as good as you know. There's a lot of these you know Brandon Ingram's of the world who, you know, they might win now because LeBron went there, but LeBron went there because it's Los Angeles. LeBron didn't go there because they won they they had a bunch of early lottery picks and they got Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball out of the deal. So it's you know it, it, we we tend to want to think about things the way that we want them to look much more than, than, than they, than they truly are. And, you know, again, I, it, Boston, you know, was horrible for a really long time. And Danny Ainge is a terrific GM and they have a really good head coach. And now they put themselves in a position to do things, you know, clearly Philadelphia and trusting the process, they, they gambled on Joel Embiid. Um, you know, they were willing to, you know, draft him with his injuries, knowing they were going to get one season out of his first three with him. And now he's, you know, clearly one of the best young, you know, young big men in the game. But they were what second round exit in the playoffs last year. I mean, that's so. There's not, there's nothing wrong with with, uh, you know, being, you know, a mid tier team in this in this era of the NBA. Because again, again, you you if we're only going to say that that two or three teams can win the title this year and everybody else is just playing for nothing, if if everybody was going to again quote unquote tank, and not to mention the lottery process is changing. Um, you know, you're not really helping yourself as as a franchise as much as you think you are. Just, you've been around this team quite a bit over the last few years, and, you know, you've gotten some great experiences with covering the finals and, you know, these playoff runs. Um, what's your mindset now going into this next season? Um, are you... Uh, is it kind of a letdown to know that you're probably not going to have to worry about keeping your schedule clear for uh, those nights in June? Or are you interested in getting some new storytelling opportunities and, and watching this process get started? Well, it'll be a challenge. Uh, I don't know what my future holds at Bleacher Report. Uh, my contract ends on the 31st, which is next Tuesday, I believe. And we really haven't talked much about you know, the future, I don't know if the Kevin Love thing changes that. I don't know if one year of writing Cavs stories through the prism of LeBron James no longer being here is something that they want to, to budget for. Um, you know, so, you know, again, you know, to your, to kind of your point, I think it'll be a challenge 
to write about this team in a unique way for an entire season. You know, before, you know, when in doubt, find something LeBron's doing. Um, and then you can, you can craft a story about it. Is, is LeBron going social media dark again when the playoffs start? Is LeBron, you know, what does he think about Martin Luther King Day? What does LeBron think about, you know, any, anything, anytime he opened his mouth uh, could potentially be a story. And I don't necessarily think they really have that. Um, you know, the storylines clearly are going to be Kevin Love's leadership, Colin Sexton's growth. And then if you really want, you know, I know Chetty's a, uh, a kind of a cult fan, you know, has a cult fan, fan following here in Cleveland. Um, it's not necessarily one that I think is going to garner much attention outside of, you know, that little pocket. So it'll be tough. You know, I will say the 2010 through 2014 season, it was a lot easier to, to, to cover them because, um, you know, there wasn't as much, you know, you know, it wasn't shoulder to shoulder every scrum. You know, I, I would go to a practice in 2011 and it would be like myself, Fred McLeod and like two other people. Um, you know, and that was, it was a lot easier to get what you needed at that time. You know, they gave me a one-on-one sit down with Anton Jamison that lasted much longer than either of us thought it was going to, but you, you could do that because you were the only one really there looking for that story. Um, so it'll, it'll be tougher again. It'll be different. Um, I don't quite know, you know, how, how day-to-day cast coverage will go, but that said, you know, I, as you led in with the question, you know, I got to cover a lot of NBA finals games and I, that's, that's more than, you know, a lot of media members can say that 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 that, that outside the national folks, if you're a local guy, you really don't get those opportunities. Um, you know, so I I'm very appreciative that that they happened, and I I certainly didn't take it for granted. Yeah, and I was going to say the Cavs beat in general. Um, just besides, uh, you know, the work that you've done, um, yeah, it's it's going to look a lot different this year. I mean, Jason Lloyd came out with uh, a story on the Athletic this week talking about how his role's changing. Um. I think Dave McMenamin, uh, ESPN, I, I think he's going back out West if that hasn't been, you know, officially announced or anything. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm really curious to see what, what the, uh, the coverage around this team looks like this year. Cause I, I mean, they're not going to necessarily be as good of a team as they've been in, in recent years, but I think for a lot of us, um, it's not like we're going to suddenly stop caring. Yeah, and the hard part is there's there's really no prism right now, right? There's no long to because we don't know what the the plan really is outside of just trying to win basketball games. Um, you know, if they didn't re-sign Kevin, you know, the 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 story until February is what are they doing with Kevin Love? Um, you know, in addition to clearly, you know, cut the Colin Sexton growth story. Um, you know, now I mean there will not be a single national. And, and I know Cavs fans are going to hate it. Um, I know there's going to be the, the commenters at cleveland.com are going to be all up in arms. But anytime LeBron does something this year, it's still going to be covered, you know, by, by, by Cleveland sports because, or Cleveland sports people, because, you know, that, that's the story of the Cavaliers is what are they doing through the, you know, post LeBron era and, you know, whatever LeBron does, whatever his kids do, whatever Savannah does. I mean, all of that is going to be covered by, by local people just as much as it will national people, at least for the next year or so. Um, but, you know, I, you know, outside of that, you know, there's really no overarching narrative for this team outside of, you know, again, outside of what, what are they going to do without LeBron this season? And, you know, he's going to be, uh, you know, looming for the entire year, um, you know, one way or the other. And, you know, that, that'll be the, the big challenge is to write unique stories that people want to read about 
that don't that that by the way don't no longer that no longer uh, involve the you know the the best player in the world who used to play for your team. All right. So since you mentioned LeBron, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on what the Lakers are doing with their roster? Because I, I could just tell you, um, I'm I'm never going to be a Lakers fan per se, but um, I certainly personally appreciate everything that we got um, from LeBron over the uh, 11 years that he's played here. I I'm interested in his personal success as a player. Um, and, you know, as a basketball fan, uh, you know, I personally believe he's the greatest player in the history of the game and his prime, it's a finite window here. And um, it just, it personally, I, I feel like it strikes me as really odd the way the Lakers are going about putting their roster together for this year, not knowing how many more, you know, LeBron as we know him seasons are, are left. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand it either. Um, and it's kind of the same, you know, viewpoint that I have about it. Um, trying to load up for 2019 seems like a weird move when the anchor of your team is going to be 35 at that point in time. Um, you know, but LeBron has defeated father time to this point. So maybe, you know, joke's going to be on us. Um, I just don't necessarily know it's the wise move now. You know, if they, you know, sign a bunch of one-year deals that may or may not work this year, and then Kevin Durant decides he wants to go to the Lakers, then again, you know, jokes, jokes probably on us. So it, it'll be an interesting stretch over the next two years. Uh, but as they're currently constructed, uh, I don't, I don't see how they're top four, top five in in the West. And LeBron will win you a lot of games on his own, but uh, they're going to be playing the Houston's, the Golden States, and the uh, Oklahoma cities of the world much more often than they were doing when he was in Cleveland. And I think that wake up call is going to come much faster than he or anybody else wants to admit. And let's be honest. I mean, even in a watered down East uh, for the past few years, um, we saw regular season LeBron and, and playoff LeBron are two very different players. And um, I think we might need, he might need to, uh, you know, put in a little bit more in the regular season to, you know, keep them afloat. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. I, you know, and, and Brian Windhorst said it as well. So I'm not, this isn't anything unique to the situation, but um, you know, LeBron said multiple times this time around that it's, 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 uh, it's, you know, he signed a multi-year deal. It's going to be a long play. He's, he's, he's going to be okay with the ups and downs, you know, and all that rhetoric. He said the same thing when he came back to Cleveland, and that lasted all of a couple months. Um, you know, they was he, you know, it wasn't you know, Deion Waiters was not long for this team. Uh, once LeBron saw what it was going to take to win basketball games, and uh, you know, those, those trades that they that they uh, that they enacted, um, those did not have patience written on them. They had win now written on them, and I and LeBron hasn't had a, you know, he's been in the NBA Finals, you know, each of the last eight years. Um, you know, that, that is going to be a very, very tough uh, weight, I think, on his shoulders. I know he can say all that he wants that he's going to be patient, um, but nothing in LeBron's career, you know, at any level has, uh, has screened patience. So if, if he's truly a different player and a new guy and he's willing to stomach all that, uh, good for him. But uh, nothing he's done in the last, you know, 15 seasons has shown that he's, he's uh, willing to take those lumps. Definitely has not. Uh, Trev, you got anything else for uh, Scott here? No, not really. I mean, I think I'm, I've I've sort of 
gone through all these different op- all these different things in my head over the last like couple weeks, and I- I'm probably just gonna resolve to try and enjoy the NBA season from like the perspective of the other, you know, 25, 26 teams in the league have over the last few years. Right. So it'll be different, I think, but overall uh, it should be fun. I'll say if I'm going to be somewhat into LeBron still continue to follow him, I'm probably going to get real sick of those like 10 30 games. Um, (laughs) The the West coast games are going to drive me insane. Yeah, in TNT, a ten thirty game is actually probably closer to like ten fifty or uh, you know bumping up to eleven o'clock. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I hate the um, <laughs> I hate the like nine o'clock playoff start. So, West Coast regular season games are going to be a bit of a bitch. I think you're not wrong, Trev. All right, boys, this has been good. Scott, uh, thank you so much for uh, taking some time on a Friday afternoon. This is uh, really good stuff. We appreciate it. No, for sure, guys. And I'm glad glad you're willing to do it on a Friday afternoon and accommodate my schedule. Absolutely, man. All right. Hey, listen, uh, everyone, as always, you could subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. We are on TuneIn and Stitcher. And, of course, you can always uh, stream us on waitingfornextyear.com. And be sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Nail Podcast. I mentioned that uh, Scott wrote the uh, Bleacher Report article on Kevin Love signing his extension. We shared a link to that story on the Facebook page, so you can go uh, check that out there uh, if you have not done so already. Our thanks once again to Scott Sargent for joining us here to talk uh, Kevin Love and the Cavs and uh, where things are going from here. We will be back early next week at a fun, a little bit different uh, topic in the works uh looking forward to it uh so uh, be on the lookout for that but uh, in the meantime for travis shuley i am tom valentino it's been the nail in the coffin and we will talk to you again soon hey there my name is michael laminato and this is pit pass f1 a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. (laughs) 